What is up, guys, and welcome back to Paint Bravely, the podcast where you can find a little bit of encouragement, discover new ways to make your hobby more fun, and most importantly, learn to paint bravely. Now, this is a little bit of a different episode because we are recording this fairly soon after the last one. Both Brent and I are going on vacation, which is something I've been looking forward to, and I know you have. This is also episode 10. So we did it. We did a thing, some kind of thing. We hit a milestone. We made it to episode 10. How about that? <laughs> it feels pretty good. I mean, we've been fairly consistent. We haven't missed a day yet. Of course, we're recording this, and we could certainly miss this day. But they'll never know. Bad. Well, They'll never we'll, know. Well, they'll know. They'll, they'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> Once it's yeah, late, as soon as and then it's really late, and Tuesday. then it's just really, really late and never happens, they'll, they'll figure it out. But <laughs> they won't be hearing us speak like this now, and that's the important thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, you've done podcasts before. I never have. And so yeah. when I started this, I, I realistically figured, we'll see. We'll see. Because I know a lot of podcasts <laughs> do end after one, two, four episodes. But yeah, for we're sure. at 10 now. We figured it out. We've worked it into our lives. We've worked our way into your lives. And, uh, you know, maybe there will even be an episode 11 and 12. We'll, well cross sure that bridge so. when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the last podcast I did, um, we recorded pretty much every week, and I think we did man, 70 or 80 episodes. It yeah. was, it was a it was a long one, for sure. Um and then we we decided we're a band, why are we doing a podcast? We should be writing music. So we we stopped doing a podcast. <laughs> hey, fair enough. But still, 70, yeah. 80 episodes, that's that's good. We'll see if Paint Bravely can get there. I, I have a feeling. Yeah. You know, as long yeah. as we're uh, not too boring. Right. I think we'll do all right. That was actually something I was worried about at first when we first started talking about doing a podcast because both of us talk slowly and are somewhere between relaxing and chill and boring. And so put it's, the two of us together. <laughs> Yeah, I figured this this could be a very relaxing or a very boring podcast. But mm. I figured something out, Casey. I've mm. been uh I've been watching a few of our old episodes on YouTube, and the okay. trick is to put it at 1.25 speed. Right, yeah. Now you Just do that talking a little faster. Yeah, talking a little faster, a little bit snappier or or quick comebacks and everything. <laughs> that may be the way to do it. You yeah. Know, you can do that on, on YouTube videos, too, but if they've got the mm -hmm. background music, then the background music doesn't sound quite right. You know, the, right, the whole yeah. feeling is off. But if it's just people talking, now they're talking right. faster, now they're now they're clever. Quick-witted, right. yeah. <laughs> Quippier. <laughs> Quippier, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll have to try that. Um, yeah, I don't tend to listen to podcasts, even just normally, on anything else. Like, audiobooks sometimes depending on the uh the reader. Mm. Like I'll I'll speed that up and and more especially if it's like I'm trying to gain knowledge from this and I'm trying to do it as quickly as possible. Let's just put this on double speed and somehow I'll read the book twice as fast or listen to it. <laughs> double speed? Yeah. Man, my mind's yeah. not that fast. I can barely do 1.25. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it like I said it depends on the person. Like yeah. if they have a really strong accent then that that can be tough. Yeah, you put that on double speed. 
even 1.25, like you just miss it. Like if you if you listen to Game of Thrones, like you might be tempted to put it on 1.25, but I guarantee you, you will not listen at all. You you will blank out and not understand a word that's going on, because that dude's accent can get rough sometimes. That sounds like a challenge. Okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> Who can read Game of Thrones faster? <laughs> yep. All right, Casey. Um, I'm gonna switch switch things up on you and Absolutely. put you under pressure. What did you do this week, Casey? Well, since the last time we talked, I actually did quite a bit. Um, I went to my friendly local game store, picked up some paints. I also bought a board game called Mice and Mystics, which I don't know if you've heard of it. It's uh it's like a an RPG in a box kind of thing. Comes with miniatures, they're little cute little mice. Pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um my my Gen Con buddy has that game and she showed me the Ooh, miniatures yeah. and it they're delightful. Yeah. Right. Cute delightful. little it's a critters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, sort of in the vein of uh dragons and doggies or doggies and dragons and No, I haven't heard of this. What's this? Well now I'm kinda of blanking too, but there are definitely <laughs> uh like a vein there's a vein of mini games, board games that are just animals doing Dungeons and Dragons things and right. it is delightful and wonderful. So I'm gonna have to look into that. Dogs and dragons in the same game? Yeah, I'm doggies sold. and dragons. Doggies and dungeons? dungeons Somebody let us know down in the comments. I, I don't know. You'll <laughs> Google will figure it out for you, but it's That's it's worth point. looking into. There's there are a lot of adorable figurines out there and I'm glad that you got your mice there, Casey. I'm I'm excited. I haven't painted any of them yet, but I mean I plan to at some point. Um yeah, and I'm also just getting ready to go on vacation. Like leave in here in a couple days, going to go up to a place where there's some lakes and some rivers and like just hang out, no electricity. Just yeah, not do a thing for like a good solid week. That sounds awesome. And the the whole family enjoys that. Yeah, I think so. Like, uh, I think my wife probably needs this vacation more than I do. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't gone fishing in a while and, uh, definitely planning on doing that. So yeah, it should be fun. We're bringing our, our nephews. They're up from San Diego. Um, don't get to see them too often, but they, they tend to stay with us in the summer for at least a month. Um, which is kind of crazy, but yeah, yeah, we do that every year and then we just do stuff with them. So yeah, some nice nice camping should be fun. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And uh, I was just gonna give you uh, a little bit of crap, like what what is your job, Casey? <laughs> Why do you need a vacation? But yeah, it's a good point, right? Like I'm so stressed about this uh, this YouTube gig. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's important to take a vacation from time to time, and like for what I do specifically, um, you know, making a video every single week. Like that does wear on you pretty good and, and having a little bit of time away from technology, especially because where I'm going, there is no electricity and I'm pretty sure no cell phone service. So I can't, you know, check my stats and answer comments and whatever else. And, and yeah, it's going to give me, it's going to give me a chance to recharge and uh, think of new awesome video ideas. Yeah. So this, this benefits all of us. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, good to recharge. And uh, this podcast episode is going to go out actually after 
you and I get back from our little vacations here, so don't take that knowledge that Casey isn't at his computer and start, you know, spamming stuff on, on his videos because <laughs> he's there, he's vigilant, he'll he'll fix things right I, up. I try to be. I really do. <laughs> like, sometimes it, the, the comments get a little much and I can't keep up, but most of the time I, I find the time to go through pretty much all of them. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So... I also have a similar job to you, Casey, where mm, I sit around similar, and yes. paint miniatures and make videos about painting <laughs> miniatures, and it is the best job that I've ever had. Certainly 100%. not the best paying job that I've ever had, but it is the also true most fun, uh, <laughs> least stressful job that I've ever had. And in some ways, I, I don't even feel like I need a vacation, but um, I'm also recognizing that I'm kind of falling behind on things, especially comments and emails and dms and all of the different social media platforms and all that stuff mm -hmm. so uh and and part of that happened with coronavirus i used to be going to <laughs> i will not apologize for this cat but he should be sorry for what he's doing to this microphone <laughs> but yeah but before coronavirus i had a a co-working space that i was going to uh, several times yeah. a week and that was perfect for getting out of the house and like knocking out some emails and all that stuff and uh here being being shut in the the efficiency on a lot of those things has kind of gone down which is you know too bad it's it's people trying to connect with me and you know all of this mm -hmm. is people who want to interact with me and i enjoy that but just you know only so many hours in the day and my efficiency is is not what it could be so hoping that go out yeah. in the woods for a few days reset a little bit and again, not that I need to, to wash too much stress off of myself, but always right. good to, to get outside. We'll get some, some footage of floating around in a canoe and that'll be, that'll be good for everybody. For everybody. Um, are you going to bring any hobby with you? Mm -hmm. Are you going to be uh, scraping mold lines off Mason Mystics <laughs> or, or doing anything like that? Um, like I... I always go back and forth on this when I when I plan a vacation. Like last time I went, I brought everything, including things to shoot a video. Like I had the, you know, the camera holder and all the stuff. I brought everything and it fit all in a nice box and I never even opened it. Mm. Um and I it's I like I always have this this preconceived notion of like, you know, I'm going on vacation, I might have all this time to do stuff. And what always happens is you get there and it's like, well, but now I'm enjoying being here and doing the things that this place has to offer. And right. I, I always, you know, neglect my models. <laughs> right. So I am also going to, you know, a cabin in the woods with a lake and yeah. the cabin I'm going to normally has electricity. I'm hoping that's the case this time. But, mm. you know, if it's raining or something for the couple of days that I'm there, that drastically changes the activities that I'll be doing at that Good cabin. Point, yeah. Yeah. And if it's raining, yeah, I want to have something to hobby. Um, last year I went to the same place and I brought a lot of paints that time. And I ended up spending most of my time making that, that stupid canoe video of me <laughs> painting minis in, or, or should I say pretending to paint minis in right, different locations out in the woods, on the lake, in a, weird hunting cabin with deer head on the walls right and <laughs> yeah 
Um, I think this time I am not going to bring three cameras and all those paints and everything. This time I'm going to bring my worst camera to mount to the bow of a canoe to get some, some 4K shots of floating around a lake, and I think I'm going to bring some plastic models to assemble. I've found, yeah. I've found that to be a really good compromise on how much hobby to take with you on a vacation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so you bring your clippers, you bring a, a blade to scrape mold lines, and you bring some plastic glue. One, maybe two model kits, and right, yeah. it doesn't take up too much space. It could take up a lot of time if you're stuck inside with rain, and uh, mm-hmm. if you end up getting some assembly done, hey, there you go. Yeah, it's not not a bad way to go. Um, I'm not anticipating any any strong weather. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, where I live is uh, it's high desert, so the rain is not often. Um, you know, we get the occasional flash flood, thunderstorm kind of situation, but uh, I'm expecting it to be like 105 degrees, and I'm just gonna be boiling trying to keep cool the whole time <laughs> so i might Sounds bring fun. i might bring a, a, a kit to you know like the those mice or something they do have they, they have some weird assemblies to them um some of them are kind of funky so i might have to do that and at least get them started that that might be all right not too much yeah that's about right I mean, you mentioned yeah. fishing. It's uh, it's kind of like how much bait should you uh, buy to go fishing? How many how many cans of night crawlers? Are you gonna go through right, them fast, yeah. or are you gonna go through them real slow and end up fishing once and use up right. one worm? You know, <laughs> it's a tough question. Yeah, you never know. It yeah. Depends on depends on the fish, doesn't it? Depends on the fish. Yeah, it's not even up to you, really. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That is that is the thing. I don't I don't usually go fishing in uh in lakes or rivers because like it never seems like good enough. I it's hard to explain a little bit. I'm I'm fairly used to going fishing on the ocean where the smallest fish you catch is like dinner and mm-hmm. it's bigger than any fish that you could pretty much catch in like just a standard lake or river. So it always feels just a little bit disappointing, like whenever I go fishing that's not in the ocean. Fair enough. I uh, yeah. I always get bothered by the, the salt and the sand and needing to clean everything mm-hmm. with fresh water afterwards and needing to take a shower afterwards. And Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would take the side of freshwater fishing. You know, if you're, mm. if you're worried about the fish being small, just use a really light, rod and reel that bends like crazy for a for a half a pound fish a you point. know yeah yeah, yeah. you get but, that small stuff and it feels like such a big fish <laughs> yeah you can you can enjoy anything just gotta get that that right mindset but um, good point. what else is going on here so uh, right now i'm kind of cranking out some content because i want to launch a video before vacation and hopefully that'll come out we'll we'll all know later how that went <laughs> and um yeah also this week i uh was able to order the creature caster canuck uh can oh you did yeah it's a uh, combination of the word canuck and yeah chimera yeah canuck chimera can yeah it's oh it's okay it's that 
beaver crossed with moose crossed with Canadian goose chimera. Please, please tell me you're painting that. I, I mean, eventually. I've got a huge collection, and that's going in the collection, and eventually I paint some <laughs> of the stuff in my collection, so I might. That seems like a very special piece, though, that, that deserves to be painted and put on your channel as soon as possible. That's not something you see every day. Possibly. We'll we'll see. It's uh you know it's one of the creature caster models that doesn't have exposed breasts or anything right. like that. It's got like a really angry moose with skulls all over it, but that's that's still PG ish. <laughs> yeah, ish. I mean, it'll give you nightmares, but I'll, I'll put it on Goobertown hobbies. I'd be I'd be willing to do that. Sure, sure, sure. And let's see, that reminds me that, you know, you went on the podcast Hobby Time in the Murder Basement, and you forgot to tell me, and I am realizing that I just did the same thing to you. I went on Hobby Time in the Murder Basement, and (laughs) I forgot to tell you about that last time we recorded, so check out the Heath Aldrich channel. We didn't really mention it, huh? Nope, nope, we, we forgot again, but... Yeah, Heath uh, does these interviews with different content creators, different painters, commission painters, model companies, and he's been doing a really good job of of cranking out at least one a week of really interesting people, other yeah. than you and I. And uh, that's true. Yeah. It anyway. It's a podcast that's on my subscription list now. So yeah, and and both of us are on there. So if you are listening to this podcast and you want. You and then you have your choice. Actually, if you're listening mm-hmm. to this podcast, but you only like one of the hosts, you can go check <laughs> out uh, the Hobby Time in the Murder Basement channel and listen to that interview, but not the other one. So that's true. Something to look into. You, yeah. you tune one of us out. Exactly. <laughs> just if you're wondering what this podcast would be like if if you just replaced your your least favorite host with someone else. Right. It's an interesting thought experiment. Yeah. 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 That's true. I don't really think about it that way. Yeah, and, and Heath's pretty good at uh, interviewing, like, better than, than a lot of people that I, I've seen. Like, he keeps that conversation rolling mm-hmm. and, like, always has a question, like, ready to go. Yeah, yeah. we're terrible at that. <laughs> well, certainly better than either of us, but... Okay, that's our cue to keep this going. What what else, uh, exactly. what else are we that's, doing that's today? My point. <laughs> did did well, we get through the here. current events here? I think so. Um, oh, just on a side note, um, I want to say that that actually the latest podcast that Heath did is interviewing one of the the head dudes over at Creature Caster. Two of the head dudes over at Creature Caster. Is it? I haven't then, seen it yet or heard it. Okay, I, I watched it just the other day, and I think it was the first one of his interviews where it was three people on the podcast, and then. Very briefly, it was clear that like a third major person at Creature Caster was also in the room because he just wandered by in the background of the scene and, and said hello real what quick. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I just thought I'd throw that out there with the all the uh, Canuck Chimera talk going on. Right. Um, we did get some topics to talk about. We've gotten a couple emails and obviously all the comments over at youtube.com slash paint bravely the podcast. We do appreciate your comments and we really want to try and answer as many as possible. So, you know, if you have any questions about what we do, anything 
pertaining to our channels or specifically painting questions that would be a fun topic for us to talk about, then uh, definitely leave them on the YouTube channel and we will get to them eventually. We're trying to get to as many as possible and we have some here today. So do you want to run down this list and start to answer some awesome questions? Sure. So this one awesome. could be really uh, time consuming and in depth, depending on if we have anything useful to say, but how do you paint beyond your current skill? So I guess, how do you learn new skills and, right. and develop as a painter? Go. Well, the way that I interpreted this question at first was like, how do you do something that makes it look like you're better than you are at painting? You know, I was kind of like Fake racking my brain a little bit. Yeah, right? I mean, that's that's what I've done this whole time. And it worked out. No, that's a that's a legitimate skill for succeeding in anything is fake it right, until you yeah. make it. Yeah. 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 For for <laughs> any job you do, you know, go to work, dress like you're supposed to be there, interact with people as if you know what you're right. doing. And uh over time and experience you'll realize that you actually do know <laughs> what you're doing and uh yeah. there you'll be. Yeah. I mean, I, I do feel like that's how most things go. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's kind of how I took that, right, at first. So I'm thinking, you know, how, how are, like, what are the ways that you can make it look like you're a better painter than you are? Um, dry brushing comes to mind. That That is usually a very large step for a lot of painters. When you learn to dry brush and make it look pretty good or, you know, use that secret, secret weapon, the... Uh, the super cheap makeup brush with soft bristles like that makes you look like a better painter. Um, when you get an airbrush and you finally start to learn how to do some blending, you know, you get one color shifting into another. Say you do that on like a, uh, like a big Cape on some space Marine, right? Like mm -hmm. all of a sudden that space Marine looks like you spent some time like, hand doing that that cape or theoretically um now the the other i guess juxtaposed position to that is you are actually becoming a better painter because you're learning how to do things sure so it's a, it's a difficult question is what i mean so your approach is to figure out like the easiest strategies that get the that get some pretty cool results without necessarily having a, a yeah. big skill base there so you got right. your your airbrush, your contrast paints, you got your dry brush, you got your null oil. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm on board with that. Yeah, I thinking about this question, I was sort of doing something similar of thinking about how do you pick up one new skill. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is just picking a new skill to work on that you're actually motivated to work on, that you're going to have fun doing, that you're actually going to put some time in. And, you know, those examples you just mentioned are actually pretty good opportunities for that because they can be picked up fairly easy. They can mm -hmm. give some awesome results, you know, on your first or second try. Um, it can be fun to just slap some contrast paint on something. And if you have never painted with that style before... As you're doing that, you're going to be learning something as you're dry brushing, just getting the the muscle memory down of how dry does that brush need to be and how hard do you need to press and 
how do you take care of a makeup brush and, and anything like that? <laughs> yeah, I think those I think those are all good um, on ramps. the The times when I've set out to specifically learn a new skill, I've had some successes and some failures. So actually, back to the vacation thing, last year when I went out to the cabin by the lake and took a few things with me, what I actually took yeah. with me is a few Stormcast models and what mm -hmm. I thought I needed to learn how to do non-metallic non metal gold on the Stormcast. Yeah, it's coming back to me now. I, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was the original t intent. And I sat down and I tried that for about half an hour but I would say that I failed because I wasn't having fun at it. I had just these these awful-looking yeah. blends on a couple of shoulder pads, and then I just decided, you know what? I'm making a video about painting models in stupid places. I've got some deer heads behind me, and now I'm going to do it on a canoe, and now I'm going to do it in a hunting stand, and here's a rock, and here's a river. and So to a degree, I'd, I'd say that you can... Or I, I say that I set myself up for failure by trying to do something that I, you know, wasn't interested in enough doing, or it was right. the level of difficulty compared to um, how much I really wanted to spend time sitting there and doing that. It, it, it wasn't working out for me. And I think, yeah. you know, people learn because they want to, they have to, or it falls on them. And for something in one of your hobbies, I think the the strong motivator most of the time should be because you want to, or as you're doing something else fun, that knowledge kind of falls on you. Yeah, I think you have to look at your motivations as to why you want to learn how to do something. You know, if if it's like for expediency, you want an airbrush, you want to paint your models quicker, like, it makes sense that, you know, it's something you'd want to invest in and learn how to use because it does help with that. If you want to learn how to paint non-metallic metal because non-metallic metal is the new hotness, like, you're probably not going to get as far and it's not going to feel fun and you're not going to learn how to do it. Like, it has to be something that you are actually actively engaged in and wanting to do. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, the motivation thing I think is huge, especially since this is, for most of us, our hobby. Even if we're making a little bit of money off of YouTube, it's still, you know, our, our hobby, and we're just going to make a video that's fun to make instead of a video yeah. that's uh, absolutely terrible to make. So it's, yeah. it's our hobby. And what I do want to say, though, is that I am actually starting to learn a new skill that's you know commonly called a, a difficult skill or whatever and that's wet blending mm -hmm. and it, like in the video i was just working on i said okay I'm, I'm gonna do some wet blending here this is something i've tried a few other times in my life it's something i've seen before it's um it's the technique of putting one color down in one part of a model another color next to it and then using often uh, like a clean damp brush to blend the two together so for the model i was working on i put purple on like the tricep of a model blue on the bicep of a model and then used a brush to blend them together to get that transition from purple to blue and then it's kind of like a cool alien skin color yeah 
And the reason I, I think this is a good example here is because one, it, it looks cool. It is something I was not able to do before. Some people refer to wet blending as like an advanced technique, or certainly mm -hmm. a technique that advanced painters use to make models look good fast. But at the same time, it's actually really fun, really straightforward, and I mean, yeah, there's some finer points there, but really easy to do. It's, yeah. I mean, you barely, sometimes you don't even need to thin the paints that much. You just slap blue on part of the model, slap purple right next to it, take a separate brush, and just wiggle that second brush around at the border of the two. And you, it may not look exactly the way you thought it was going to look, but it's going to look better than, you know, at first you thought it had any right to possibly look. Right, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those techniques that, you know, for some people there's a, and certainly for me, there's a higher activation barrier to get yourself to actually try it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's not that much harder than, than putting a wash down on something or loading up an airbrush or doing the dry brush. It's... It's one of those techniques that you can learn if you want to. And for me, I'm realizing that it's just an issue of getting up that motivation, realizing or framing it in a way where it's it's a fun activity to learn this new thing. And I think this is going to build up on all my other skills. And that skill of being able to blend and make transitions is something that is eventually going to let me do non-metallic metal and feel pretty good about it yeah i mean non-metallic metal is is essentially just that right it's a lot of blending and making it look a certain way now there's something interesting about wet blending that i do want to mention um like obviously you put the two wet paints down together and you kind of mix them on the model right and, and then you get your blend something that i've noticed is that a lot of higher level painters, they do wet blending as kind of a sketch, right? Mm -hmm. You, oh, I need some of this color here. All right, it's going to mix here. And what, what they're really doing is not worrying about the final result the first time they put that blend down. I think it's it, it scares off a lot of people, you know, thinking about a technique like wet blending because it doesn't look how you think it's going to look. But I think you need to ask yourself, like, well, why do I think it's going to look like that? Am I seeing the results in my head of somebody who spent 30 more hours after that initial wet blend? Probably. Like, your wet blends don't have to be perfect. You can come back after they're dry, which is another thing that I wanted to say is that they look different. Your wet blends look different when they're wet. When they dry, they look more blended because the, the paint mats down. And mm -hmm. it actually dries together. Those pigments dry together and they do what they need to do on the model. So it's an interesting thing. Like you just have to not be, I guess, scared of learning something new. Like if it's not what you think it is or like if it doesn't look like what you think it's going to look like, that doesn't necessarily mean you're doing it wrong. You just need to keep going. You know, yeah. we talked about that with like layering and stuff. You know, you layer one bicep and you're like holy crap that color's way too bright looks terrible well do the rest of the model then you'll know if it looks good or not you right. just gotta follow through right yeah that's that's a really important point on on some of these techniques for sure is follow yeah. through at least on that one model 
So for this wet blending, the way you do it, you, you know, both of those paints that you slap down need to not be dry yet while you're doing this blending. And so you can't paint the entire model at once. You do, you know, the bicep and the tricep. And then you do yeah. part of the transition between the stomach and the back. And then you do the, the other arm. And then you do a thigh. And you have to, you know, you have to do all those parts before you start to see what the model is actually going to look like. And a lot of times, kind of the the effect of the model when you take a step back and look at the overall appearance, a lot of times that, you know, the three feet view looks so much better than the six inches away view. Yeah. And that's something to, to always keep in mind. And especially that example of, you know, doing the layering on muscle groups. If you're then going to layer a highlight on top of that bicep of, you know, if the bicep was blue and the tricep was purple, and then you're going to highlight the bicep and it's going to be lighter shades of blue, just that highlighted bicep is going to look out of place and strange until you highlight all the other muscles on that model and so there is a little bit of a need to you know understand that you have to follow through and apply it to the entire model and that you're not going to understand whether or not it worked until you do apply it to the whole model and i gotta say in my experience a lot of times the overall effect is better than you think it will be yeah. So if that helps, use that as a little bit of confidence to to keep going and, and finish up what you start, at least on a single model, and, and see how it goes. Um, but yeah, as, as my overall answer to this question of, of how to paint beyond your current skill, I think, I think my best advice is to kind of think of all the skills that you've heard of before that you know that you don't know yet, and think about, of those, which seem like they might be kind of easy or kind of fun to learn. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable way to progress, like what seems like an achievable goal. And if all you feel comfortable doing next or all you want to do next is put contrast paint on a tan model, do it. See how that works. Then you can learn a new skill when you put that contrast paint on a gray model and, and you're still learning. It's uh it's fun. You're getting something out of it. Um, and just, you know, I'm at the point right now where I'm thinking like, okay, I have two brushes. I can work fast enough that I can put two wet paints on something and squiggle them together in the middle. And right now that is sounding fun to me and it's sounding achievable to me. And, uh, we're hoping I get good at that sometime soon, but I'm already not good, but basically able to perform the maneuver and right. uh and you know having that that little bit of enjoyment is going to keep me going and hopefully get me better and better and better and then maybe next year i'll go to the lake and learn how to paint non-metallic uh, gold we'll see we'll see yeah. we will keep up on that story i i am uh definitely waiting for that day my goober town nm nmm tutorial I don't know if that's going to be a good video or a bad video, but someday, man, someday. <laughs> someday. But that's the point, right? Like, someday. It it doesn't have to be today. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. Like, this hobby will be with us for the long run, you know? Yeah. And you don't need to, to peak as a painter in the next six months. Like, there's no reason to. 
take your time with it. Pick the fun things you want to do. You will get there eventually. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but mini painting is one of those things that you should be able to do throughout your life until, until your hands or your eyes get really, really bad. Um, yeah. you, you should be able to do this way longer than you can do almost any other activity. So yeah. you don't have to be in a rush learn the fun things that that sound awesome first and once you got those under your belt something else is going to start to sound achievable and and you'll get there but paint bravely yeah. don't be af- afraid to try new things but i think it's perfectly fine advice to try the new things that sound like the most fun first and yeah yeah well and honestly the internet will still be there in 30 years like people will still be posting images you can still say hey check out this rad model that i painted which kind of brings up another point uh another question brent how how would you honestly critique your own work and how do you interpret critiques from the internet okay all right, let, where where to start on this one? So let's let's start on the the your own work. How do you critique your own work first, and then we'll get into the the dirty internet business. Okay, um, for me, the first thing is is just a gut feeling of whether I like it or not, and mm-hmm. I consider myself lucky in that way. To normally, I'm I'm not like too harsh on myself on the the technical things. Like normally if I, if I look at one of my models, the first thing I see is not like a really ugly edge highlight. Like the first thing I see is not the flaws. The first thing I see is the overall look of the model. And a lot of that is, you know, whether the colors go together, uh, overall, like how, how bright and happy and fun and silly is it. And so in general, I would say I'm very, uh, lenient on my own work. Uh, very, okay. you know, in terms of whether or not this is good for honest critique and improving, but for the most part, I look at the stuff that I do and I am happy with it unless it's something that I stopped halfway through and I, and I put in the pile. But if it's something right. <laughs> that, that I finished and certainly if it's something that I finished up well enough to decide to publish a video about it at that time, I was feeling more good than bad about the model. And whether that's yeah. just the, a lot of times that's just the overall feel of it, the the colors kind of working together, having a little bit of a, a fun story that matches the way it's painted up. So I, I guess my first comment on this is that in terms of self-critique, I am normally very easy on myself, which, mm-hmm. you know, has, has pros and cons in terms of, of moving forward in this hobby, but... That's the first thing I'll say. How how about you, Casey? I think, like, really when it comes down to it, like, I can be pretty hard on myself, um, you know, because I, I want to reach a certain level. And, I mean, it's a little bit counter to what we're saying before, like, you don't want to peak too early and all these things. But, you know, sometimes, <clears throat> and I'm sure a lot of people listening, are, are really hard on themselves when it comes down to it. And I think probably the best advice I can give is not to be like, you might look at a model and see something technically wrong. Like I can pick up one of my own models and say, you know, yeah, that blend is, is terrible. Or this dry brush looks dusty as as hell. And it looks like crap, you know, or that edge highlight, whatever. 
But like when it comes down to those things, when it's technical issues, they're just technical issues. It's it's a, a matter of practicing, you know, repeating those steps and getting better at that process. So like when you're critiquing yourself, you have to kind of set those things aside and say, well, here are the things that I'm still learning, you know, and look at something else. I think like what you said, um, like the color combinations, does it look good if it's if it's sitting over here, like as an overall piece, does the model feel cohesive? Does it look like it's in the world that I said it's in or, you know, whatever book says it's in? Um, if you're achieving something like that, then I think you're on the right track and everything else is just going to follow. You know, those technical skills come with time. So mm-hmm. like critiquing yourself, it's, it's all right to be kind of hard on yourself. If you're trying to improve daily, if you're, if you're like, okay, well I got these and I missed this one and you should probably ask yourself, well, why did I miss this piece, but not these other pieces? And that might get you to critically think about it a little bit more or make you change the way that you're approaching a, a piece like that. Um, but yeah, self-critiquing is, is a difficult thing if you're too hard on yourself. So, right. you know, be nice to yourself because honestly, no one else will be. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, the making sure that you're enjoying it is is a really important part if you look at your model and just every time you're terrible trash i need to improve all of it i hate all of this you're not gonna you, have a good time you're, you're not gonna be a painter so yeah right now in, in terms of improving faster like if you are willing to seek out critique and then act mm-hmm. on it that can be an extremely powerful tool if if that's the way you want to go about your hobby um, there's there's one yeah. person in the the Goobertown Discord server in particular, uh, A Rock. How's it going? Who is is constantly posting, um, you know, update photos and saying, I think I got the the metal looking pretty good here. Uh, I'm worried about the the texture on the cloth next or the texture on the leather next. And what do you think I should do? Do you think this is working? And I think that's a really admirable way to go about learning uh seeking out critique um asking for advice on next steps on a model saying like hey what would you improve on here if if you are willing to do that and if that doesn't you know kind of ruin the fun for you Mm -hmm. i think that's a really uh efficient way to to get better and to improve now uh, Casey, both of us are in a situation where, whether we ask for it or not, we do get <laughs> yeah. critique. Uh, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, y- yeah, and uh, you know, part of how to how do you interpret critique from the internet? This is this is a fair question. So I'll toss that back yeah. over to you, there, Casey. How do you <laughs> interpret critique from the internet? Well, it's interesting. Because there are several types of feedback that you can get online. You know, there's the guy that says like, hey, I really like this and there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And that makes you feel pretty good, but it's not really helpful. It's nice to hear. And I, I think it does give you that kind of boost of confidence. Like you're on the right track, right? And then there's the, the person who's like, well, I would have done it like this. And sometimes if you read into that and, and, and really, if you're reading internet comments about your work, try and give 
each commenter a voice that isn't negative. Mm. I think that's really important because if you give them a negative voice, a negative tone of voice in your head, you're going to take it personally. You're going to take it the wrong way. And there might be something good in there. Obviously there's the, the super far off ones who just tell you how terrible it is. And I think generally speaking, like you should probably just ignore those and move on because regardless if there's actually good information in those, like sometimes you can openly just tell when people are just trying to be hostile and that's just not good for, you know, your self esteem, your willingness to like continue to do this. It's just good to avoid those types of things. But where you find the most is like I said, right in that middle spot, you know, where somebody like you could take it wrong. You could take it in a bad way. But if you try really hard not to, you can definitely learn things from other people and get suggestions from other people that will help you. I mean, in in the last year and a half that I've been doing YouTube, I know that I've improved as a painter. And I've read some real great comments and some real bad comments. But taking that advice that I'm, I'm saying, it's like, I have improved. And I'm very grateful for that. You know, sometimes it's a good day. Sometimes it's a bad day. But I know that at the end of the, the year, I am a better painter. Right. Now, if, if you are in a position where you're putting your work on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you're sharing your work and you are getting feedback, uh, I mean, first off, value that, you know, somebody did take time out of their day to provide some sort of feedback to you. And so, you know, the first step is hopefully that's, you know, the fact that they took time to do that is enough to convince you that they may have trying to be helping you out here that, that, you know, go ahead and try to give the benefit of the doubt to, to any comment and, even if it seems a bit hostile, say, okay, is there a way that I can use this to my advantage? Let's let's pretend that this is a constructive criticism and see if there's anything I can learn here. Um, so key is pretending that it's yeah. Let's actually <laughs> yeah. Let me let me tell you a story about when I used to uh, teach chemistry back in grad school. So I was a I was a TA for many years back in back in university, and at the end of teaching a semester, they have mm. you hand out uh, teacher evaluation forms, which is you know a couple of multi choice multiple choice questions and and then maybe a little space underneath to write some comments or whatever. And you know normally it would be you know people would give me some scores between one and five and maybe somebody would write something in the comments. And I realized that getting feedback is better than not getting feedback. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I started telling my classes like, okay, last semester when those students filled out this evaluation form out of 20 students, I got two comments. One comment said pretty good, I guess. And the other comment said, looks like my cousin. And <laughs> and neither of those are wow. particularly useful to someone who is who is trying to cultivate feedback and learn something and get better. Yeah. And so so I started telling, you know, future classes that this is an example of useless feedback. 
and um you know if you if you're willing to and have the time write some write something constructive <laughs> yeah regardless if it's like good or bad something that has thought behind it like it's right. probably going to be helpful in that case right and and of course telling people like to cousin. to you know this story and then telling them to write something then i got a lot of like looks like conan o'brien looks like mike tyson like you, you know right, you got a lot, a lot of jokers of, in there yeah. right yeah a lot of jokers but <laughs> but that's all right but but then people did start actually giving feedback and some of it was constructive and useful and yeah Again, if if somebody is taking the time to write something about your paint job, something about your model, assume that they have something useful to say, even if they're being kind of an a-hole. You know, they do have a different pair of eyes than you do. They're looking at it from a different viewpoint. Maybe something they're seeing is useful. Yeah. And uh, I guess there's some parts of the internet where you can just ignore, but again, yeah. There, there are some dark places on the internet, Brent. Some really dark places that you just don't want to go. And we found that out the other day, kind of in, a, in an interesting, difficult way. Um, and I think I think we've both been doing this long enough that, you know, we don't really have like a chip on our shoulder. We're not so much bothered by hateful comments these days. But I mean, you know, occasionally. Occasionally you get a pretty, pretty nasty one, but yeah, we were, uh, so both Brent and I are, are in a, a discord group. I mean, we're in several discord groups, but one that we, we share with other people. Um, it was and brought one to one of the, uh, yeah. One of the members will, who will re- re- remain nameless, uh, yeah. shared a particular, uh, well, let's call it a 4chan post. And let's, uh, let's call it that. Let's call it what it yeah. is. <laughs> A 4chan post. A 4chan post which shall remain nameless. And this was a long post. And it uh, was, yeah. uh, These these lads just really made the rounds of all of the people painting miniatures on YouTube. Yeah. Like, didn't really miss anybody. They just went down the list. No, it really didn't miss anybody. The conversation just kind of (laughs) wandered from hating on one person for a set of reasons to hating on somebody else for a set of reasons. And, man, just just when you thought you were safe, you'd you'd pop back up (sighs) again. Just when I thought you were, you know, just when you thought they were done with you, like, there there would be your name again. And, uh... Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we had, uh kind of an interesting little little afternoon read there of of mm-hmm. all sitting alone in our rooms reading this this dark dark stuff <laughs> super dark yeah there's there's bad people out there there are fundamentally unhappy people out there who don't want you to be happy either a lot of mm-hmm. them spend their time on the internet posting on nerd things don't worry about it not worth it yeah there there are just some things that aren't worth dealing with they aren't worth looking into they aren't certainly worth responding to if you get a crap comment like don't respond you know they they took the time out to to say something to you but that doesn't mean that you have to respond to that and i I think that's something that people miss like you you know there there are trolls out there trying to get in fights right on purpose just just ignore it it's no big deal. Now, the one big takeaway from this 4chan post is that literally all of the painters on YouTube are terrible people and cannot paint to save their lives. 
Now you put all that together and you put everybody in the same boat. And it's kind of that whole thing of like, if everyone's special, then no one is. Like, I think what that's are you a, trying to say, guys? That is a great way to look at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I guess the, the one other comment I'll, I'll put on here is, you know, sometimes when I am reading through YouTube comments and someone will say, the way you should have painted that red is this. Okay, one, back off. Assume that they are giving it in, in a helpful advice. Two, like I've gotten a lot of really interesting and many of them useful pieces of advice from, from the comment section. And mm -hmm. uh, three, try to remember what you said in that video. A lot of us uh, YouTube folks will put a line like, Make sure to leave a comment about how to how you would have painted red in this situation. Right, exactly. And <laughs> don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually something because I've I've had a lot of times where like I've read a comment and I've like just a spark of anger before I calm down. I'm like, wait, I literally asked the asked people to yes. leave comments on this to feed the <laughs> algorithm, and uh, I should be happy that they that they literally did what I told them to do. And I said, yeah. please make sure to tell me how you would have done this, and not just immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, so again, that, that first step of whenever you possibly can give people the benefit of the doubt, uh, mm -hmm. give people the, uh, the assumption that they are acting in good faith, give them, um, you know, the assumption that they have something useful and knowledgeable to say, and then, uh, then read the comment and, and then see if there's any way you can file that away for, for later to, to get some use out of. Yeah. Yeah. On a side note, my wife just brought me lunch. Nice. <laughs> would you like to take a break? No, no, no. I just, I just thought that would be uh fun to share. Well, the door it looks open. delicious. Casey. I'm, I'm looking over here on the camera and people might be wondering what's going on is all. If you watch this on the youtube.com slash paint bravely, the podcast, yeah, if, if you do that, you've been seeing me uh, deal with a cat this whole time. It's Gordon today. <laughs> Gordon has a very loud purr. He's wandered into the microphone a couple of times. Uh, he keeps jumping up on the desk. And uh, and I got a phone call that I hung up on a few seconds ago. You know, we're we're working here. We're... <laughs> We are, we are. This is only episode 10, you know, we're still, uh, we're working still working out, out all those kinks. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think we, I think we got that question down pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Wanna... I'm content with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. all right. Try to be open-minded, read the, read the critique, think about, think about using it in the future. Um, and, in, and in terms of, of, you know, kind of seeking out critique, you know, taking those progress pictures, putting them out there. There's a lot of good Facebook groups. Um, you certainly just throw them on Instagram. They're, you know, the community is good. The, there's a lot of people out there looking to connect, looking to see what other people are doing in terms of painting, thinking about how to achieve what you just did, thinking about how to improve upon what you just did. So if you would like critique for your work, you can, you can normally get it, uh, you know, seek out those, those groups and Put yourself out there, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's, I think that's a big part of it. Just putting yourself out there. You know, you're going to get the good stuff. You're going to get the bad stuff, but you put yourself out there and you know that you're trying to improve. And as long as you have that, that mentality, I think that, you know, continuing to get feedback and acting on those things, like you will improve and it will be, it'll be good. 
So why don't we move on to some questions? I'm going to throw you the first one here, Brent. Okay. So this comes from DA over on the, the comment section of the, the YouTube channel. Um, let's see here. So we both talk about sealing our paint job. How do you do that? Airbrush or can you use a rattle can like matte finish? Um, yes. Yeah. So, so how, what, what is that and what does it do? So I normally use my airbrush for stuff like that when I can, because it's reliable and it doesn't smell and it's convenient. Um, so when I seal a model, I normally have uh, a couple of bottles of Vallejo uh, varnish. So mm -hmm. the Vallejo has a gloss varnish, satin varnish, matte varnish. They come in the same dropper bottles as anything else, or you can get a larger container. But those go right into the airbrush. Um, normally I use a little bit of airbrush thinner in there. And uh, I do try to work quickly because maybe a little bit more so than regular paint that seems to jam up the airbrush eventually. So uh, I do try to work quickly, but, you know, if you just want a nice, hard, glossy seal, gloss varnish, um, then you can either matte that down with matte, or you can go satin, which is in between. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's all pretty, that's pretty self-explanatory. I just sounded like an idiot right there. But yeah, if you want gloss, use gloss. The other thing to say about all that is those bottles of Vallejo matte or gloss varnish, you can brush on, you know, mm -hmm. the, you're not going to get as, as thin and even a coat as if you use an airbrush, but anything that comes in one of those dropper bottles, you can absolutely brush on. Um, but when it, but yeah, when I drop a comment about sealing a model, that normally means I, I go downstairs, I load up my airbrush with you know, gloss varnish or matte varnish or whatever, give it a quick spray all over. Um, but you certainly could use a rattle can, uh, any, you know, clear lacquer, gloss lacquer, um, you know, anything from the hardware store or, you know, Mod Podge brand sells it, testers sells this stuff. And I, I will say that anytime I pick up a rattle can, I'm a little bit nervous. I am not great at using rattle cans. It totally depends on the weather outside, on how full that thing is, mm -hmm. on the temperature it was stored at, you know, all that stuff. And so there's a little yeah. more variation in using a rattle can than just using your airbrush at 70 yeah. degrees inside your house but um i think that i i do this almost every single time i paint a model at some point i'm varnishing that model with something mm -hmm. um and that, that does a couple things like usually if you're using a lot of oils or, or heavy washes or something you want to throw that gloss varnish down so that you know that stuff just slides around the model and and goes into the places that you want it to go uh, it's very useful. Um, and like you said, you know, the, uh, the Vallejo stuff works really well through the airbrush. Um, I do have lots of bottles of that stuff and it's great. Personally, I prefer testers. They have a gloss and then less like lusterless flat. And for me, that seems to work better than the stuff through the airbrush. Um, it's quicker. Um, it doesn't have any cloudiness to it. Like the Vallejo stuff can get kind of cloudy sometimes. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. So sometimes with matte varnish um, from any brand, 
especially if you put down too much, it gets a little bit cloudy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess for, you know, finding the brands that you like and figuring out how to apply it in the best way. Um, this is one of those times where it really is useful to have a test model or to just mm-hmm. do a single model and not do a whole squad at once. This is, this is a time to test some things out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Cause depending on where you are yeah. in the world, what kind of humidity even is going on, like you throw down something out of a rattle can, you might get it cloudy. If you tried it inside with the airbrush, then it, it'll yeah. be fine. That kind of thing. So definitely test it out. Yeah. And uh, I guess the last thing is, like Casey was saying, you can varnish at any point during a paint job. And like if you put down a gloss varnish, that will affect, you know, how the next layer of wash and stuff goes over. But at any time, you can kind of protect the layers that you already have down. So a lot of times Mm -hmm. when we're putting down really thin layers of inks or something like that, those can be fragile. Like if if we put down a really thin layer of ink... And then an hour later, when we think it's dry, we come back in with some nulling oil or something like that. That can ruin everything, It'll rip it up. or or, or yeah. it can kind of redissolve <laughs> that last layer and move it around and and change what was there. So, especially if you're doing light airbrushed layers of of something or other, it's a it's a good standard procedure to put a coat of satin uh, on top afterwards before you move yeah. on to, to painting the next section. And, you know, you can, at any point during your paint job, you can protect what's already there or change the sheen with, with a layer of varnish. And I would encourage you to, to experiment with that and see what you like. Yeah. And if you're curious about diving a little deeper into this, um, Vince Venturella has a hobby cheating video on varnishes that goes pretty in-depth talking a lot about different uses, different kinds, different brands. So uh, I definitely recommend checking that out if you're interested in learning a little bit more about varnishing. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a question for you. No, 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 no. No, Stacey, you stop reading the questions. I got a question for you. (laughs) Uh, Okay. This, uh, we'll read this name. This is from Table Ready Gaming Dave. Go, Dave, go. All right. Let me throw a question into the hat. What's one franchise you would like to see turn into a tabletop skirmish war game that currently isn't? I've been thinking about this, and I think I've really only come up with like one halfway decent answer because most of the things that you would think would be some kind of a skirmish game kind of have been turned into one, right? Like you got your gas lands for your Hot Wheels car combat. You know, your Warhammers for your fantasy battles and all this. Lord of the Rings is already a thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was trying to think, like, well, what else would there be? The only thing that I can think of is that uh, there isn't an official Pokemon skirmish game. Oh, And my there God. probably that's should the... be. That's incredible. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I, I changed my answer. I was going to say Star Trek, <laughs> but there's there's kind of something for Star oh, Trek. Oh, there is. No, though. you're right, Casey. Is Pokemon one. is Pokemon is the correct answer. You got it. <laughs> this is the correct one. Uh, WizKids makes a uh, HeroClix style Star Trek game, and it's supposed to be pretty fun. Okay. Okay. Yeah, my answer was garbage. Um, I'm going to pick <laughs> Digimon. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I take my answer back. I'd much rather have a Digimon. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going with Pokemon then. No, yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome. It, 
for for anyone who could get the rights for a mm-hmm. somewhat reasonable cost, you have basically infinite minis to make. You've got yeah. a you've got a fan base that'll love them. There's there's the genius built-in gotta catch them all uh, aspect yep. of that. And, and all uh, those models. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That's a great one. I would I would actually be into that if it had some like decent rules in a skirmish around it. You know. Yeah. Um, you got little cards for each each of your mons there, and you running around doing stuff like that. That could be pretty fun. You know, you got that like Pokeball recall kind of thing. You can kind of like take, say, an injured one out and throw another one down that just pops up in its place. And there's, you know, shifting around a small board. It could be really cool. And I am oh, uh, honestly I'm surprised that that's not too. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you have this all figured this out. I was just thinking about man, the collecting the models. Like, I wasn't even thinking about the game itself. But yeah, like, you know those original Game Boy games. The idea was you picked like a team of six Pokemon to to wander Something around like with that. you, and that's yeah. that's perfect for a skirmish game. That's exactly. that's absolutely perfect. You you nailed it. Yeah. So I don't know who we need to contact. Uh, we only want like sixty percent. That's all. For the idea. Man, <laughs> you, you got a get rich quick scheme there of Pokemon. Man, hundred percent. Yeah. Just gotta own that somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> yeah. know, I actually downloaded uh, Pokemon Go again for my phone. I hadn't I hadn't loaded Did that up okay. in a couple of years, but I just got a new cell phone, and it works uh, way better on a modern cell phone, actually. A hundred percent, yes. And, and not like when when it started. <laughs> yeah, and the battery usage seems reasonable now. I can yeah. I can presumably play for more than ten or fifteen minutes at a time without getting a recharge. You know. Right, carrying that battery pack around in your pocket. Ah, uh, those were the days. <sighs> they were. I I played a lot of that, and uh, I played with friends. And then, uh, like, my wife was into it. I got some of my family members into it. Like, we'd go on vacation and stuff, and we'd play in some town. But it it was really nice because it's like, I mean, we were playing a game together, but then we were also walking around whatever town we were in and kind of exploring. And, and that was yeah. a really unique kind of way to do that. I actually really appreciate that game for, for those kinds of moments. Yeah. Uh, don't I, play it much often anymore, but I, I agree. I was, I was doing that with a friend also. Uh, it came out right at a time when I was living in Boston for a little while. And that Ooh, game, the, yeah. the pokey stops and where the Pokemon actually are is, very much dependent on having a population around you. So that game is way more fun to play in a city or at least like a fairly packed suburb than it is just the wide open. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you don't get you don't get free pokeballs if you're out in the country you might end up walking into (laughs) one really really common pokemon out in the country but where you find Quite all the rare Pokemon often. and where you find all the all the items and everything, that's just from walking around in a city. So, mm-hmm. uh, those were the days. But um, no, you were right with Pokemon. Okay, thank you for the question, <laughs> Dave. That was a good question, Dave. Hmm. Okay. You want me to read you this next? Is it my turn to read again, or do you want to read this? <laughs> Uh, it is, but I, I always like reading the question first so that uh, I have time to think about my answer or change it if your answer is better. So, It's a good point. Yeah, Digimon yeah. it is. <laughs> okay, so this next question is talking about subassemblies. So SC asked us a question about subassemblies, 
of, you know, should you assemble the entire entire model and then try to paint or paint it in bits and then put it together later? And this is an age-old question, and I think it is worth exploring how you feel about it, Casey. I think there's a couple ways to look at it. So there are some people that think, yes, put everything into subassemblies because your paint job is going to look better. But obviously, then there's a the question of, gluing it all back together after you've painted it. Well, you you might overspill on the glue. You're going to ruin that a little bit. Maybe, you know, specifically say you're working on a space Marine, you know, you glue the arm on and your highlight is now in the wrong place because the arm only goes on a certain way. Right. Um, like sub assemblies can work. They really can because if you're using different techniques, if you're using airbrushes, then you're going to have better access on the other side of that, it's, well, why are you painting things that you literally cannot see after you've assembled the model? Like, you've just wasted time. And I think that's a perfectly valid point, too. Personally, I think it falls somewhere right in the middle. For the most part, put your models together. And if there's some weird piece that, you know, you're planning on doing something with, then you should leave that piece off. Uh, heads are a good example if you want to paint the head a different color than the rest of the body you know say you have a helmet then it's not a bad idea to leave that off and do it separately and then you know you got your little tiny glue dot right under the neck that no one's gonna see you really aren't gonna screw that up um, and that that can look better so I'm usually the kind of person that puts most of the model together and then leaves like a piece off so I like that yeah, I, I can't disagree with much there. <laughs> so for you and I, Casey, we're also uh, normally filming the, the process of painting. Yeah. And I got to say, when a model is, you know, in five different pieces, that's a, that's a boring video. It's hard to see, you know, where progress it's is being made. Yeah. You know, I guess if you're doing, for, for all of this, a Space Marine is a pretty good example for... Yeah. For like the problem bits, a lot of times it's the bolter held in front of the chest, and then how do you right, paint the, the eagle that's up. on the chest, and how do you paint the, mm -hmm. the other side of the bolter? And to a point, you can see both of those areas if you're looking for them when you're looking at mm -hmm. a model. And my solution is, for me, the lesser of two evils is to put the thing together and to get the paintbrush in as far as it can go. Um... And to a point, like what we talked about last time, is if you're priming with a darker color anyway, kind of having black in between the bolter and the chest is normally yeah. harder to see than if there's some white primer stuck in, you know, deep, deep in there. Yeah. So there's there's the fact that, you know, if you were to do that sub-assembly, you'd be able to paint the chest easier. You'd be able to paint the inside of the bolter easier. And then when you're putting things together, you know, then the problem is making sure that you don't get weird glue smudges. Um, the, the actual act of painting, you know, the I don't buy the why paint what you can't see anyway. If it's in sub-assemblies, all of that painting is going to go way faster than if you're trying to snake your brush in there and get the visible bits. Sub-assembly, yeah. the actual painting, 100% faster, definitely. Yeah. Unless you're unless you're painting like the control panels inside of a rhino that you're gonna glue together or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But you don't want to be reaching your brush in through that hatch. <laughs> yeah. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> Just don't paint that. You, you don't need to paint that. That's, that's well, up to you, but you don't need to. If if anything, paint it black and then throw a dry brush of like silver and just wiggle it around inside that tank, and you're <laughs> just probably wiggle it around fine. in there. Yeah, point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> point the point the spray can inside the tank. <laughs> right. <laughs> just get a little spritz. You'll be fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, I like that. That's good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then you know, for for the sub assembly thing, I'm worried about the glue smudges when you're putting things together. If you're working with a plastic model, I so much prefer plastic cement than super glue. And Mm. if you're doing things in bits, then you have to make sure that you're, you know, guarding enough of the plastic or, or scraping paint off plastic so that you can glue it together with plastic glue, or you're using super glue, which is messy and brittle and bubbles in weird ways. And, uh, Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, that that's going to be leaking out of the armpits if you're not careful, and that's going to make the uh, yeah. the problem you had on the chest uh, look like nothing. So exactly. Um, and and like I said, the other reason is uh, we're we're painting these things on camera, and then the final reason why I think it's useful to assemble everything and then paint is if you're start, going to start to get fancy with uh, highlighting like highlighting and shadows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or even if you're just doing an all over dry brush on everything, having everything where it is supposed to be makes those shadows and highlights make more sense. So if you assemble they're, the whole model even, yeah. and then do like a top down dry brush, the the arm is at the right angle, the shoulder is where it's supposed to be both to catch the highlight in the right way and then also to protect the the thigh from getting a highlight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I, I am more in the, if at all possible, build the model and then paint the model. But I think that, I think, like you said, the head is a notable exception. Uh, if we're going with the space Marine example, you know, the, a lot of times the head or, or the neck at least is kind of recessed in some armor there. Yeah. And so it's really hard to even paint the head or, or at least very hard to paint the neck when it's assembled. And so sometimes it's just easier to, to leave that off and do it separately. Um, or if you have a bit that is definitely going to be a different color from everything else, uh, again, Space Marines, like if you have a shoulder pad that is just a different color from the rest of the model, yeah, then mm-hmm. you can think about leaving that piece off and painting that separately, doing a different primer scheme on it or whatever. But I was just going to say there's there is no perfect answer here. So this question of, man, you know, there's a problem painting in sub-assemblies, but there's also a problem of assembling everything and then trying to paint. They both have pros and cons. Do what you want to do. I have found that I prefer to deal with a set of problems that comes with assembling everything first and then painting. Yeah, I think those tend to be easier to deal with types of problems. Um, And... Uh, coming back to the question a little bit, um, they were asking, how does this specifically deal, um, or how do you deal with night haunt models? That's what I'm trying to say. Well, Casey, I have never painted a night haunt model, so I'm turning (laughs) this right back around on you. I've painted, I've painted a fair few. I know you have. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Not well, some of them, (laughs) but, uh, uh, fully assembled because for the most part, you do want there to be a consistency in 
where that paint is going. So, you know, if you're trying to paint with an airbrush, you don't want like some part of the ghost to then look totally different than the part it's attached to. Right. Yeah. Even if you're, you're painting with washes, you know, the, when the night helmet first came out, they had their like early contrast paints, their technical paints that were just the, the blue and green for ghosty bits. And, you know, if you're painting with washes, and you go a little bit heavier on some bits than others, when mm-hmm. you put them together, they won't look, look quite right. So, yeah. yeah, that goes to having the whole model together, whether you're doing airbrush or dry brush or washes, it, it can make a difference. You know, you get that, uh, that yeah. uniform look that, you know, that piece was supposed to be in that place and it was painted as if it was supposed to be in that place. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that uh, that does that for that question. Subassemblies. Right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we cranked right through it. Uh, Casey and I are both excited to, to go on vacation here, I guess. That's I'm true. I'm just about to, to pack we're... up my, my hobby kit and get ready. I've got, I've got a box of the older Necrons that I'm going to paint. I... I I'm thinking about getting some Ooh, yeah. test schemes going just in case I I buy that mm-hmm. indomitus but indomitus indomitus yeah I have no idea are you are you getting that box no, <laughs> no. I don't no know ninth edition forty k for you Casey I I don't know like I like I said I bought eighth edition uh, I painted the models in that box. And then I started a YouTube channel, and I literally haven't even played 8th edition. Haven't even played it. Book's been opened maybe twice. So Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm super, like, I want to, you know, I want to play 40K. I want to get into it. Um, unfortunately, unless something changes drastically in the next six months or so, I have a feeling that uh, I'm not going to be able to just go to my local store and learn how to play 9th edition 40K. It's a real bad time for an edition to come out. <laughs> it really is. Just uh, stay quarantined until 10th edition, I guess. You're going to wait this one right. out. Yeah, yeah well, and I heard, I've heard, you know, that there's always that uh, that rumor that every other edition is a crap edition. Oh, you think right? this one? I, well, yeah, supposedly. So it's like all the, uh, what is it, the even number ones or the good ones? No, that's for Star Trek movies. They, <laughs> no, you get, you right, got it wrong. Just, maybe this is just a thing in general like they fix all the problems from the last one after they screwed it up with the kind of in the middle one right so like first one wow this is a fantastic game second one well it's a slight improvement but i don't think it's great third one you know maybe this is the opposite then maybe it's the odd number ones oh so you're, you're saying this logic that the, has you no like base. the odd numbers you should buy this yeah yeah maybe that's it maybe i, I just screwed myself with eighth edition and uh should have just waited till ninth Get your pre-order in now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. I might have to do that. Yeah. And then uh, there's not exactly drama, but there was the there was the fun realization that GW sent some YouTube people uh, a big Indominatus box oh, yeah. and never bothered to email other people. And uh, which group are yeah, you in, Casey? They are so inconsistent. Well, I have an Indominatus box, so I don't know what you're talking about. You son I of don't. A- 
the reason I am not buying an Indominus box is because because <laughs> I have it behind me and I signed a uh, an, uh, <laughs> like an agreement to not show that to not show the box or ever yeah. assemble the models. I, yeah. I got that NDA, yeah, or ever <laughs> assemble the models. So, yeah, it's really useless to me. I don't even know. I mean, obviously, if they contacted me, I'd be like, I will gladly. I signed this your... paper that says it stays under my bed forever. <laughs> Literally, and that's probably what'll happen. Like, I have no good reason to to have GW send me anything, right? Um, yeah, which is fine, fine by me. They sent it to eBay, and then eBay sent it to you. That that could work. I mean, regardless, I would if I was gonna buy it, I'd buy it on eBay. Sure, because that might give me a, a an opportunity to spin that somehow to be able to paint new models. <laughs> I did that with the gloom spike gets. It worked out great. Yeah, you're you're really tying yourself down to this whole eBay thing, man. Yeah, I know. It's it's uh like it's it's an interesting like it's really fun on one hand because it's limiting to a point where like I am a niche of a niche. <laughs> uh at the same time, like, yeah, I'm not getting any work done on on things that I actually want personally, you know. But hey. I mean, they're, they're I mean you can you can do that thing of just buying, you know, all your new products on eBay just to to get around that barrier you've put in front of yourself or uh I do feel like it's it's self-imposed a little bit, but uh you know, there are the occasional comments of like, "Hey, this this isn't like what you said it is." And then I have to be like, "Well, well it is cuz of these reasons." Yeah. And that just feels bad. Look, you can either buy everything on eBay or you can just say that you bought everything on eBay or uh That's true. You wouldn't do that though. Well, I've had I've had many 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 suggestions of Oh, well, yeah, I know this isn't used or anything. Uh, do you want me to just put it together and like prime it like shit and send it to you? I'm like, no. Yeah. Do you want me to buy an Indominus box and put it on eBay, Casey? Like only if you partially assemble and paint it first, then yes, 100%. That could be both of our worst videos that we've ever made. <laughs> like you partially assemble, I partially bought a $200 paint dollar like box, assembled it as poorly <laughs> as possible, half primed it, threw some weathering powder mm -hmm. at it, and sold it on eBay for $74 plus shipping. Right, right. Well, and the thing that would happen, of course, is uh, that that auction would get sniped right at the end and neither of us would end up with it. Someone else would. That actually would be pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be a very good uh, wouldn't be a very good YouTube video, but I think it'd give us something to talk about on here for a while. I'm not That's doing true. it, but no. Oh, I you know what? I just remembered something that I should have mentioned. I legitimately found a very crappy looking but also nice full corn army uh that i just bought on ebay like the other day and i actually got video of me buying it which was really cool you got, um, you got the countdown but, going and everything do you oh yeah are you doing are you doing an auto snipe program or or were no. you awake and alert and ready for that i it was like in the middle of the afternoon so no need for any uh bots to to do my yeah you know snipe and form set up obs yeah. to record your stream <laughs> uh yeah just crack your knuckles sit there watch the timer yeah. countdown so did you have a did you uh, have a face cam on you while you were doing this did you get a reaction no, shot to winning no. the so <laughs> i should um 
actually the uh, the newest iPhone that I do not have. You can record like your front camera and your back camera at the same time. Get the face reaction of what's going on. So I'm kind of thinking maybe, yeah, that that might be a thing to do. Like uh, I'm I'm scrolling through eBay and I got like a face cam and I got the other thing going. Like, but I haven't upgraded to that that iPhone yet. So someday we'll get there. But I thought it was pretty cool, and uh, so I already have a whole other army that's like in need of rescue. And they're, it's not bad. Like, there's some good models in it, and I got it for really cheap. Like, oh yeah. wow, I'm I'm really interested. Like, uh, how how cheap? How many points? Like, what are we talking about here? Uh, I think it's it's not quite two thousand points. Okay. So I got the auction for straight up hundred bucks. Nice, right? And the, there's only one picture on it, and it's a terrible picture. So I know people aren't paying attention, right? But in the description, it goes, okay, well. You know, already there are 55 um, blood letters assembled in partially painted blood letters. And then there are like, uh, what is it, 20? Um, what are the, the blood letters that ride those like iron pigs or whatever? Uh, you know what I'm I talking about? I'm the wrong person to ask about this, but. Okay, well, it's a bunch of like red demons riding basically like mounts that are all armored right mm-hmm. and there are like 20 of those um and then there's a bunch of other stuff there's like blood warriors which are pretty great um but not the ones from the starter box it's like the multi-kit Ooh. or the multi-part kit one so it's like you add it all up they're like 300 dollars in army stuff here and it's like yeah it's just kind of badly painted and and put together but it's like perfect opportunity to have an entire corn army for a hundred bucks yeah see that's the awesome stuff on your channel that's that's what you gotta be be doing more of the the sweet deals and the and painting a whole army of corn demons but that's another one you (laughs) should be able to paint quickly maybe not the warriors but like the the demons and the cavalry Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, that's and exactly. I'm I'm looking forward to doing that specifically because like I'm I'm getting ready to do this like super long recording process, 24 hours or more or whatever until I pass out. I'm kind of hoping I pass out to paint this Stormcast army. Um, yeah, I was thinking about it. Like if I passed out on camera, that would make the video way better. So I'm gonna try that. Yeah, legally, I cannot give you any advice in this situation. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Don't stay up multiple nights in a row. Like that's stupid. But I'm yeah, gonna do that. Don't do that. I'm gonna do that. You should go to sleep every day, Casey. You should. Yeah, at least I'm once. Not going to. Yeah. Man, I I am excited for that new army. I'm I'm liking this direction of you. Just you know, one model at a time. No, one army at a time. Let's do it. I like that. Yeah, from now on, one army a week. That's that's gonna be how I'm gonna I'm gonna push those those numbers. <laughs> yeah, I may have bitten off a little more than I could chew. It's I'm like here yeah, for it. I'm trying to figure out how to paint more than one model. So let's do forty or fifty. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, it's like ninety models for a hundred bucks. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm gearing up to do a little more army painting myself. I need to. Yeah. I need to use this coronavirus time where I don't have Mark and Alex constantly telling me that I need to be painting models <laughs> like to play games with them. In they can't hound you. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's been a nice little vacation in its own way from my from my close friends telling me that they want to play games with me and that they want me yeah. to paint my army and to stop painting random one-off models for YouTube and to paint my damn army, you know? Do they do they listen to this podcast, Brent? Uh, I think they might have listened to like a couple of episodes, but right. uh, Mark, Alex, uh, at us if you're yeah. offended and paint your army, you know? Like, Yeah. Just saying, if they're such good close friends, like, why aren't they helping you out, Brent? Well, maybe they'll listen to the start of this and then they'll put the podcast on 1.25x and they'll make it this far into the podcast. Yeah. And uh, no, no, to be fair, I think they... Some of these, they might help me out. I don't know if Mark would. I think Alex would if I asked him, but <laughs> I'm I'm so particular about the way I, I want to be the one to paint my army. I don't want someone else to paint my army, no matter how good they are. Like, Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know that feeling for sure. Like, I've never actually commissioned anything. And if I get something from eBay, like, I'm going to repaint it, even if it sucks. <laughs> That's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I get that people like getting models that are painted and like you literally just don't even have to think about it you can just go for it you know i'm just not that guy and i don't think you are either no i know i gotta repaint it actually not not too long ago i i took a ton of pictures of an a partial army that i'm stripping i had some mm. some space marines maybe like 800 points of space marines but the previous owner had done wouldn't say a good job painting them but they had painted them all it was a consistent paint scheme black mm -hmm. and yellow it looked okay their, their basing was pretty good at least and you know of course I'm, I'm never going to use them they don't match with anything i'm going to strip them and redo them eventually but yeah you know i had this thing inside of me like oh somebody painted this like they, they put time into this and so i had to go and take like a bazillion pictures to to preserve the look of that army to to hold right, it in right. memory before then i go and <laughs> just dunk it into super clean and i think so far i haven't run into anything that was like we'll say lovingly painted hmm. um because obviously you get those things like you see them online it's like oh you know i painted this and i love this army or whatever and it's like it's a garbage paint job or whatever but Usually people don't sell the things that they actually like on eBay. That's just not, it's not how it works. Right. So I have no qualms with uh, stripping off a, an entire army's worth of paint from someone who wants to sell an army for a hundred bucks. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I am, uh, I'm rooting for you. I hope that actually comes in the mail. I hope it's as good as you think it is. I hope it's not. Uh, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> like I said, one picture. Hope it's not epic scale or anything like that. Yeah. It certainly didn't seem like it. <laughs> like, I mean, hey, Epic's supposed to be coming back, right? So maybe I'll get lucky. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've only ever done that once. Well, good. Okay, the future is bright. Uh, I think we're ready to wrap it up here. We've both got a pack for a vacation, and by the time you hear this podcast, Casey and I will be back and refreshed, and... Uh, yeah, and hopefully the, you, the you'll podcast have will come had out that on time. army. I don't know. Yeah, supposedly should be here any any time, hoping sooner than later. So, hey, if it gets here before I have to leave on vacation, maybe I will be taking some hobby with me and uh, just leaving a bunch of models in bags of LA's Totally Awesome for like a week. Awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, sounds good. And on that note, thank you again for joining us on another episode of Paint Bravely. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes, subscribing to the YouTube channel, and sharing this message with your hobby friends. As always, we appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks, everyone. See you later.